Hey bosses, this week's sponsor is Indeed. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on your shortlist of qualified candidates using an online dashboard. Get started today at Indeed.com slash iLab. That's Indeed.com slash I-L-A-B. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny F.D. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, bosses. Welcome to Invest Like a Boss episode 135. I am in Bangkok, Thailand, and Sam, is you're in Barcelona. Barcelona bound. I thought you were in Sri Lanka. I can't keep track of you, Johnny. I'm on route to Sri Lanka. By this next episode, I'll be there. But I decided to spend a week in Bangkok in between just to kind of hang out. Man, plane hopping and city hopping in Asia would not be at the top of my list right now. Corona virus. Yeah, let's hope that's all cleared up by the time you guys listen to this. <laughs> but I I had planned this out a little bit too early in advance. I, I, I didn't. I I had like a week between my Airbnb finishing in Chiang Mai and my Sri Lanka flight. And I was like, ah, let me just go to Bangkok and hang out for a few days. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, good. Always a good pit stop. No doubt about that. Yeah. And I'm sure it feels good to be back in Barcelona. Yes, it is. It's a, it's a bit overwhelming. I got a lot of stuff going on here. That condo that I bought is turning out to be a massive project. Of course, uh, the honeymoon stage of that is over. And now the reality sets in that it's going to be an eight-month renovation. I got to furnish it and all that, along with the visa process. But you know what? I love Barcelona. Even in the winter, the sun's out. I've been wearing a t-shirt around. I'm pumped to be back in Europe. And I'm pumped for the episode ahead that we have on Chris Penrose from AT&T, the president of innovation there. Yeah, that is really exciting. And big thanks to our Patreon supporters, because if it wasn't for you guys, not only would we not have the time or energy to schedule all these amazing podcasts with these great guests, but we wouldn't be able to grow the podcast big enough to even get, you know, these big bosses at big companies like AT&T and, and really to find out, you know, digging deep what is going on in kind of the, the, the future of tech and future of networking. And after this episode, as always, Johnny and I are going to have exit commentary. But I think what everyone is going to find on this episode is that the 2020s are absolutely going to roar. I mean, they, the the amount of technology that's coming online right, right online right now and the speed of innovation is truly astounding. We're going to hear it from Chris, what they've been working on for the last decade and what he thinks about the roaring 20s ahead. Yeah, I'm excited because a lot of us, we think of AT&T as an internet provider or cell phone service provider, but really they are a huge company with so many arms. They're almost kind of like their their own you know version of Google. They have so many different departments working on so many different things. And two things that I'm very, very curious about that, that I hope you guys talk about is 5G and IoT, Internet of Things. And for anyone who's not familiar with IoT, look around your, your house. It's, it's probably everywhere. It's probably everywhere, and it's it's developing quicker than any of us expect. The amount of machines that are actually talking to each other any given day, any at any given place, most places in the world now. And you'll hear from Chris just about how many products and machines that they have talking to their network and where that's going in the future. I mean, I'm I'm just excited about what the 2020s are going to hold, uh, both as a consumer and really as an investor. Yeah, and definitely stay tuned to that end of the episode because Sam and I are going to talk about how we both use these the IoT, 
if we're looking forward to 5G, if we're going to be making any investments after kind of hearing what the future is, uh, as well as some other kind of fun things. So let's hop on Chris Penrose. All right, we're back. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Sam, it's great to be here today. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. This has been a long episode in the making. Um, actually, the last episode got postponed because I was I missed a flight coming back from Barcelona, didn't have my recording gear. So thank you for the efforts to reschedule. I really appreciate it. I know all the guests uh, and listeners are really excited to have you on. I think it's going to be great to get an idea and a little perspective from how a household name, a big company like AT&T, and how you guys think about innovation specifically in your department. Um, so I, I'm eager to jump into this, but let's set the stage. AT&T, not a boring company. Isn't that right, Chris? No, AT&T has uh, truly transformed itself. You know, been around for 140 years, but clearly, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people know us from our telecom roots, uh, but we've uh, candidly had tons of innovations uh, along, you know, all these years. And, and, and obviously now we're into the media business as well. Uh, so AT&T continues to evolve uh, as times change and continues to bring new capabilities to the marketplace. There's a lot of people out there listening that are involved in technology, uh, mostly in, in the startup sector. So a lot, of, a lot of people out there just starting businesses, starting types of web applications. Generally speaking, most of those small startup companies are strapped for cash, strapped for finances, uh, really getting in there and doing a lot of the, the, the work and planning themselves as entrepreneurs. You know, how, does, how does a large company like AT&T really think about innovation and and how do you go about investing from it i imagine like anything it starts with a plan but it would be great to hear a little perspective on how a big company like atnd really kind of plans around innovation and and how to how to invest in it yeah that's a great question and and truly innovation is one of the forefronts of you know what we try to do at AT&T and and how we think about it through multiple different lenses one of the things we did back in 2011 was open up something called uh, the AT&T Foundries. And these are truly innovation centers that are set up to work with everybody from startups uh, to largest companies in the world, helping them take their ideas uh, and turn them into rapid prototypes and ultimately help them launch those solutions into the marketplace. And, and so we've set up innovation centers, you know, really across the world from Atlanta and Houston and Mexico City and Dallas uh, Palo Alto, Israel. And in fact, we just opened a brand new IoT innovation center uh, in Munich um, just in the last few months. Uh, again, trying to spread our reach far and wide. And, and these innovation centers, uh, you know, have different capability sets in different focus areas that they can bring uh, to the marketplace, uh, depending upon what type of solution that you're wanting to actually create. Um, you know, we, in, in Atlanta, for instance, we had something called the AT&T Drive Studio uh, that was opened up uh, to really become a place to drive innovation around connected car, connected fleet, and, and connected cities. Uh, and so we've, in Houston, uh, you know, we have a healthcare uh, focus uh, actually inside the Texas Medical Center uh, in one of their innovation facilities. We put kind of a 
uh, innovation facility inside that to be where those innovators already were driving healthcare solutions. Uh, and so we've done this really across a number of different verticals, whether it's manufacturing, you know, healthcare, and even city spaces uh, to make that a place where we can go work. Uh, another good example around innovation is uh, you know, some work we've done up at the American Center for Mobility, lots of interest around uh, autonomous cars and where's 5G going to take things. And so we invested to actually become the exclusive network provider for that facility in Michigan, where we can collaborate with government, industry, academics, and the automobile uh, sector to determine how we can really unlock the true potential of these new technologies you know, around autonomy. Um, so, you know, some, some physical spaces uh, to go uh, co-create. Uh, we also have a long-running developer program. So we, uh, we work very closely with the developer community, uh, providing them tools and applications to be able to get, uh, you know, we've got something in the IoT space called the IoT Starter Kit uh, that, you know, really where you can, you know, take some, uh, you know, some basic devices that have been pre-certified on our networks. They actually then tap into a number of the development tools so you can capture the data off these end devices and take action against that data. And those are, uh, and it's all packaged up in a really simple package for, you know, developers and startups to be able to grab onto and begin to build very quickly. So we've done a lot of work mm-hmm. to try to reach out to the developer community. Uh, and then finally, we do a lot of work in, inside of at and um, You know, obviously, we've got a very large company. Uh, and we've got a lot of great ideas that happen across our AT&T uh, employees as well. We have something called the Innovation Pipeline, or TIP, uh, that uh, you know is actually a, a corporate-run crowdsourcing program um, you know, that we've had out there for years and uh, you know, it has over 100,000 members across 54 countries that have submitted more than 55,000 ideas uh, you know, into, wow. into this pipeline. Uh, and so we think it's really important, you know, to, to make sure that with all this technology uh, and with all the capabilities, you always have to be pushing the needle on what, what can be done. And, and the best ideas, you know, aren't always going to come, you know, from inside AT&T. So how do we make sure that we leverage what we know, but then also tap in to everyone else to, to really drive the industry forward? Wow. That, uh, there's got to be some serious systems in place to even be able to qualify all the, the ideas and projects that you guys must have oversight of and, and almost deal flow to in a sense, especially through a lot of the, the co-creator labs. That is, it's really cool. It's a really cool initiative. I had no idea to the extent that, that you guys were uh, innovating on so many different levels. I would, I would say is a good way to say it. Yeah, actually, one I even forgot to mention, uh, you know, we did uh, a partnership uh, recently with Aero Electronics and Indiegogo. Uh, as well uh, to, uh, again, make it easy for folks going into that community uh, if they want to be able to uh, connect up anything uh, that they're creating, you know, onto our networks. We made it super simple for them to be able to grab, again, our connectivity and our platforms and tools, uh, actually have engineering support uh, that can help them advance uh, their concept and, and hopefully then, again, get them to market much, much more quickly. And so, again, mm-hmm. I, 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 do, I do think it's so important that, you know, we are seen as somebody, while we're a very large company, we're seen as somebody that's very approachable and are willing to work with anyone to, uh, to move, move ideas and concepts forward. Mm, I love it. Two big buzzwords. Uh, I would say that IoT may be a little bit before 5G, but both still very, very hot on the minds of so many people out there, so many listeners. 
what internally is is more popular? What's more of a buzzword at AT and T? Is it five G or is it, would it be IoT? Well, as you mentioned, I think IoT has been around a little bit longer, and I've you know I've been blessed with actually running our IoT business you know for the last uh, eight years. Uh, so uh, it's uh, you know it and it's obviously both though kind of go hand in hand. Uh, you know, five G is the newest. Uh, you know, buzz for sure. But, you know, one of the big pieces with 5G is this ability to ultimately connect everything uh, and uh, and really a, a network that is, you know, truly designed to be able to, to take on the connections beyond your traditional, you know, smartphones and tablets. And so I, I think that uh, what I see is kind of an acceleration where these two are, are kind of coming together uh, to, to make things happen faster across both platforms. And so, uh, you know, obviously this is a big, uh, big, big place of focus for us. We've been in the IoT you know, industry. I've run it for eight, but we've been in it for over 10 years. And, uh, you know, we just we just you know, announced our earnings here. We have over over 67 million connected things around the world, uh, you know, running on our network across, you know, virtually every industry that you can think of from connected cars to smart cities to agriculture to healthcare. Uh, and, you know, and what we're excited about is now with, with 5G, uh, we're going to be able to unlock uh, even more density of those connections, as well as unlock new solutions that haven't been possible historically, because we are going to have faster speeds, uh, lower latency and a more responsive, uh, you know, uh, network to be able to custom create new solutions uh, as these technologies come together. Chris, take me back. When was the first time you you thought about IoT or heard the term IoT? Was it going back a decade or less or more? Yeah, I'd say right around then. Uh, you know, when we started our business up, uh, you know, over a decade ago, we had, you know, this is a pretty good story. Um, there was a, a, the Amazon Kindle had just come on to the marketplace, and it was one of the very first examples uh, of a consumer uh, offering that just had connectivity baked into it and just worked, right? Your book mm-hmm. just magically came to you over the air, uh, and and it, it spawned, a lot of interest inside of AT&T to say, what are other products and, and solutions that, you know, could take advantage of this that are not phones? Uh, and how could we begin to connect things that had not been connected before and either create a, a brand new customer experience, you know, create a more optimal way, you know, for things to, to work or, you know, potentially even drive efficiencies. Um, at the same time, you know, as we were building that out, there was also a similar effort on the business side of things, and a term that was used a lot was called machine to machine, and and this was looking at specifically business-based applications that we could connect. And you think some of our very first ones, you know, that were connected up there. Uh, I don't know if you remember back to uh, when UPS or FedEx would come to your door and had and and had their very first digital signature tablets. Uh, you know, those were some of the very first, you know, kind of you know, business side uh, things that we were connecting up on our networks. But uh, so we got in very early and, and really worked, you know, with industry and across different use cases to push hard to see what, you know, could we do to bring this concept of connecting everything uh, to the marketplace. And then 20, probably, you know, I'd say about five years ago, we ended up blending both the consumer emerging devices efforts and the 
machine-to-machine efforts together into an IoT organization uh, that represented all of that um, under under myself and my team, you know, on a global scale. Uh, because there was a lot of there was a lot of products and solutions, candidly, that were across between consumer and business. A lot of platforms that we're using, you know, could be used in both places. You know, one of the great examples was the connected car. It drove a lot of this, where the car was connected for for an automaker to be able to pull information off the car. Uh, maybe give diagnostics, uh, you know, and performance information, uh, maybe safety uh, information in a case of an accident. Uh, meanwhile, pe- consumers were wanting their car to work a lot like their smartphone. <laughs> and so they wanted, they wanted to be able to have, you know, real-time you know, streaming audio and mapping and, and you know, uh, and location-based offers and everything that you could potentially do with your smartphone and even a Wi-Fi hotspot. Um, and so our ability to work, you know, with the automakers to be able to give them a business connection, but also have a direct consumer connection, you know, was the kind of the beginning of that kind of all being stitched together. Uh, and we've mm-hmm. seen that then kind of translate across multiple industries uh, and really set AT&T up as being one of the largest, you know, in the world in this space. So obviously a lot in the last 10 years has materialized with IoT and what you guys have been working on at AT&T. And you know, when you think to the future now, 10 years since you guys have kind of been working on IoT, is there an even grander vision of what IoT could be in the future when, when you sit at home and you think about it? Does, do, you, do you get more excited now? Is there something that Main Street isn't thinking about that IoT could be and, and, and might be in our lifetime? Uh, yeah, I, I get excited every day about this space. I think that we're still, while we've been connecting things for 10 years, we're still... I think very early in the cycle of, of everything being connected. And I, I often say that there's an unlimited number of things to connect. There's the, you know, uh, and, and, and so, but it comes down to what are you doing with that? Um, and what is the use case? Uh, you know, and so you can connect a lot of things, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't serve a purpose, then you don't do it. But there's a lot of things where we can, you know, either transform the way a business is operating by driving operational efficiencies, give them visibility that they never had before, create new revenue streams you know once you connect something literally everything can become a service uh or create a new customer experience and and if we can't do one of those things then we don't do it but what i think gets exciting you know as we are looking into the future is i think you've seen a lot of uh a lot of kind of you know initial proof of concepts and some initial scaling you know in iot today but you know truly going from having the ability to have thousands of connections in an area to having millions of connections in an area, you know, is one of the big benefits that comes, uh, you know, with 5G. And then I think you're also seeing this kind of move where today a lot of the applications are you're, you're now have input, you know, and visibility into the end device. So you can now take action, you know, on that data that's coming off. But now we're going to be moving into, you know, using artificial intelligence and, and taking this taking this data. How do we move into predicting the future? Because you now are seeing data coming off. How can you now say that something is likely to need action taken on it uh, versus just reacting uh, to this? So a really good example of this, uh, you know, to kind of bring it home, uh, was uh, in the fleet space inside of AT&T's fleet, you know, we have 70,000 fleet vehicles that are going out to people's houses on a daily basis to do installations. 
you know, one of the worst things is obviously if the battery goes bad on a fleet vehicle, you know, we strand our technician on the side of the road and our customer does not get taken care of. We've actually worked at looking at the diagnostics coming off those off that engine data to now build a predictive model that accurately predicts that the battery is going to fail within the next 30 days at over 90% accuracy. Um, so what this allows us to do is take those vehicles out of circulation, you know, replace the battery so that it doesn't happen <laughs> where we strand a technician on the side of the road, making happier technicians and happier customers. And so I think that just gives it. So I think more and more you're going to see this kind of evolution of moving from reacting to predicting. Um, and I, and I've got several other trends that I think are, are big. I think another one that I like to talk about is kind of the remote control of everything. Uh, you know, now that we, you know, we have 5G, uh, and it works at the same speed and latency as you and I, uh, talking on the phone here, you know, being live, uh, you know, you've got the same, you know, you can now basically think about everything could be, you know, remotely controlled and you could do all sorts of things, you know, uh, thousands of miles away that you would normally have to do, you know, right there, uh, you know, at the physical location. And, and so I think mm. that that's a pretty exciting concept, you know, as well. And you'll, you'll see a lot around robotics, you know, and, you know, a lot around autonomy um, that are going to be, you know, enabled and a lot happening with kind of the AR, VR space as well, the augmented reality and virtual reality mm. spaces, you know, the networks are now moving at the same speed as the human brain. And, uh, and so wow. you, you now can really unlock the you know, true power of those technologies, you know, in a, in a way you've never been able to do before. Wow, it's exciting. It's almost scary just hearing you talk. I mean, this, the, I almost feel like I'm, I'm becoming irrelevant. <laughs> I feel like I'm falling behind, even though we're looking at this stuff all the time. But it's amazing how fast some of these systems are being developed uh, and the, the speed of innovation right now is and you know being pioneered by by yourselves and, and uh, companies like AT&T it's it's pretty remarkable Hey bosses, let me tell you about Indeed this week's sponsor. When you start the hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of candidates have used Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screening questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. Also, add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skill test ranges from industry specific skills like accounting to general opportunity tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and you'll be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash IOAB and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash ILAB. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. But Chris, let's jump over to 5G for a second specifically. It's it's something that we've touched on once before, but I'm not sure that we actually fully grasp what 5G is or or what the magnitude of its rollout will be. You know, I guess the easiest comparison would be just to 4G, kind of where we're at now. Can you give us some idea of how much quicker 5G will be than 4G and is speed the kind of the best metric for that? Yeah, so speed is definitely going to be a metric. I don't think it's the best metric because I think there, uh, it is only one component that comes along uh, with 5G. Uh, and so we, we often talk about 
um, kind of, you know, a, a couple different key metrics that are out there. You know, one, you know, one is this, you know, you're going to, you are going to have, you know, a, a much faster uh, network over to the course of time. And you'll see some speed advantages early, but, but a lot will, you know, evolve over the coming years with it getting faster and faster. The, the next big piece, though, is this thing called ultra-low latency, um, which is, think about it being just the response time from, from the time you hit enter, you know, on your phone or your computer to the time you get, you know, something back. Uh, and, you know, today, it can take, you know, it typically on average, if you're going from the end device out to potentially a cloud, uh, you know, and, and then back, you know, that's about 100 milliseconds, potentially round trip. Um, you know, there's a new technology that's, that's kind of coming out with 5G called edge compute, um, which is really bringing the compute power that we are seeing in the cloud, bringing that much closer to the actual application. And, and what that allows is a lower latency and therefore or a quicker round trip and a quicker response. And so if you think about things like like autonomous cars or you know robotics where or maybe even a manufacturing environment where you've got you know uh, you've got video cameras doing real-time censoring of, of a line you know if you need to take immediate action uh, you know because the, the milliseconds matter uh, you you need to get that compute power as close as possible you know to the actual device where the data is coming off of and so so AT&T has introduced you know two new products into the market this year you know, one is called MEC, which is multi-access edge compute. Think about this being, you know, compute literally on the premise uh, where uh, your devices are. Uh, and, and so that's if you need, you know, sub 10 milliseconds, you know, round trip, you know, immediate response, that, that's the fastest that you can get. Then there's what we call the NEC, which is the network edge compute. Think about that being like a metro uh, type of instance where we're bringing the cloud closer in, you know, more at a city level, uh, you know, or uh, or at a region level uh, than than it is today. And and again, that you're typically seeing, you know, sub 20 millisecond round trips on that. So so this idea of latency is kind of new. It all comes down to then what are those use cases that you can now enable when you have ultra low latency? And then finally, I think this other piece of you know what we call massive IoT, you know, also gets enabled with 5G. And and this really is uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier the ability to have not just thousands but you know potentially millions of different you know endpoints being connected you know in a in a geographic area uh, you know that isn't possible today. Um, over the current networks, but will be enabled, you know, with 5G. And so I think, you know, and then, you know, you, so you then, you kind of have those underpinnings and then, and then you really need to then figure out then what are those, those solutions that you're now going to create, you know, on top of these, of these new network capability sets. And, um, and that's where uh, we do a lot of work with, you know, our customers to, to really help shape where it's going to go for the future. Yeah, so I'll pause there to see if that makes sense and if you have any questions on that. Yeah, absolutely. So so will 5G be delivered through telecom towers or through a satellite or, or even some other means? Yeah, so it's through our existing tower infrastructure, although we're adding more more and more towers, uh, you know, and more and more cell, uh, cells up there uh, all the time. Uh, you know, a good analogy uh, of how 5G is going to come to the market uh, you know, everybody likes a chocolate chip cookie, right? And uh, so I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of think about it through, there's really two flavors of 5G that are out there. One is what we call 
our, our sub six 5G. Think about that being, you know, it's in the spectrum bands that we're currently using for your phones today. Uh, and, and that is being rolled out nationwide. It's actually already in 19 cities and it'll be, you know, over 200 million population will have access to that, that basic 5G capability set. And think about that as kind of being out there for everyone in the traditional places that you're using your cell phones today. And, and that, that will kind of be the cookie layer. Uh, and then we have something called 5G millimeter wave, or we call it 5G plus uh, at AT&T. And this is, you know, using a higher end spectrum that, you know, also is giving you much faster throughputs. Uh, think about a gig to two gigs of speed versus your traditional networks they're going to be more concentrated. And those are like the chips and the chocolate chip cookie, right? Uh, they're not going to be mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh, but, but when they're out there, you're going to be able to have this amazing step function, you know, difference in speed and throughput and latency. Um, and what we're doing, you know, as part of the deployment, we now have 5G plus in parts of 35 cities across the nation. And, you know, we'll be talking more and more about, you know, the continued expansion of that. But we're using a lot of our business customers, you know, as, you know, the places where we're going to go and put these 5G plus zones up to help create these new incredible use cases. And, and so, you know, just a few of the ones we've talked about publicly is we think smart manufacturing can be, you know, completely, you know, reinnovated, you know, with 5G and the ability to modify your line in real time, be able to, you know, use video, you know, as a sensor. Uh, so Samsung Semiconductor in Austin has actually, we put a 5G a deployment, 5G plus deployment there into uh, that factory to be able to unlock a bunch of these new use cases. And we've kind of done this, you know, with, you know, over 13 different proof of concepts across multiple industries uh, where we can work with our customers to unlock new ideas and concepts. And then we can turn around and take that to others and scale that, uh, you know, as it makes sense across the country. Another place we do a lot of work is in, you know, around 5G plus will be in, you know, large, you know, public venues, think like stadiums, uh, you know, and, you know, Cowboys Stadium here in Dallas uh, was the very first 5G enabled sports stadium, you know, and we're working closely there to enable new fan experiences, you know, being able to potentially do, you know, a capture of you virtually with, you know, all of your favorite players on the team, uh, you know, being able to unlock a number of, of augmented virtual reality, you know, think about, you know, when you're watching uh, a sporting event on TV, you're, you're now seeing them superimpose the line on the field for where the next first down uh, marker is going to be. Well, now you can actually do the same thing inside the venue. So, mm-hmm. uh, so these are the types of concepts that you know we're working on, and and how consumers will really get exposed to either the basic 5G or the 5G plus uh, solutions as they're rolled out. Mm, very exciting, and I, I think a lot of listeners out there have this impression that larger telecom companies are always investing in infrastructure such as as cell towers, which it sounds like you guys still are. As far out into the future that you guys are looking, do you feel that cell phone towers will still have a use, say, 10, 20 years down the road? Will they still be delivering services? Or do you think somehow that all goes into satellites or something else in the future? Uh, no, I, absolutely. I think what you're going to see is the is particularly around 5G plus the the signal doesn't travel as far as a traditional um, uh, because it's in a higher frequency band, mm-hmm. um, and what that means is that there actually need to be more 
uh, more towers or, or, or more cell sites to be able to cover a particular area. And so we call that kind of the densification of our networks. And, and so you're going to, um, you know, we're, we're obviously rolling out across, you know, we have over 70,000 cell sites across the United States already that have, you know, that we'll be getting 5G added onto them. But then we're also augmenting and adding in more and more cell sites, you know, into, uh, into areas to be able to provide, again, that lower latency, that faster throughput. But they might not always be on, you know, the big towers like you've thought of in the past. So, you know, you know, a lot of a lot of the new cell sites are what people often term as small cells. Mm-hmm. And you'll see more and more of those type of deployments. Think about on top of street lights, traffic lights, you know, maybe bus shelters, maybe sides of buildings. So, you know, you're going to see, you know, a smaller footprint, but more of them being rolled out because you just need that in order to be able to uh, have potentially the you know the line of sight characteristics and the throughput that you're going to need to be able to achieve. Uh, combine that though is it's not just about the the cell sites because the cell sites are what we'll call the air interface. Um, you know that's uh, you know that is what the device is going to talk to initially, but just as critical. Is and most people I don't know they really appreciate this. Once you make a, a call or a connection, we want to get that off the cell site and into the ground and onto our fiber, uh, you know, as quickly as possible. Uh, and because fiber runs at the speed of light, and that's and that's the mm-hmm. fastest that you can do. And so we've invested very heavily, you know, in our our network architecture, uh, you know, to ensure that we've got fiber, you know, as deep and as densely, you know, pushed into all the parts of the network so so that we can get, you know, off the towers and off the air and into and onto the fiber to be able to, to provide the the fastest and most reliable services that you can actually have. And so it's really a combination that at and is investing very heavily in what we call the backhaul, uh, you know, and the, and the fiber side of this, as well as into the air interfaces uh, and into the towers uh, to be able to offer amazing, you know, experiences to our customers. And, um, and we've got one other kind of interesting thing that is unique for AT&T uh, and that's that uh, the federal government asked us to build out for them what is called FirstNet, uh, which is a, a network dedicated to our first responders to give them priority and preemption, you know, in uh, in the need of an emergency. Uh, you know, this all stems back to, to 9-11, back in, uh, you know, and how difficult the communications were then. Fast forward to today, you know, there's now a set of spectrum that, that the government has dedicated for the first responders and has asked AT&T to build out that network for the first responders. And what we're able to do with that is while we're going out to build that network, we're also adding in additional capacity and unlocking the rest of what we have in the marketplace for all of our customers. And when it's not in use by the, you know, the first responders, our, our, all of our customers can take advantage of it as well. Um, so we're able to put a lot more uh, spectrum to work in the marketplace, build a lot more towers, and you're seeing that come through in the in the speeds uh, that you're seeing on the AT&T networks as being you know, top in the country right now. Mm, wow, incredible. Well, Chris, just a couple of questions as we end towards the closing of the episode. You know, this is an investing podcast, and what in, on this episode we were really excited to talk specifically about technology, uh, IoT, 5G, and to also just give our 
a view of the future from a great company like AT&T. We've had a lot of people on the show that are extremely bullish about the next 10 years, uh, particularly towards innovation and technology and, and believe that the stock market will outperform simply on the back of the, in, the speed of innovation technology and also some of the advances in, in science and medicine all kind of coming into fruition at the same time. You know, how do you think about that do you, do you you've been in the in technology for a long time you've been with AT&T working on IoT for more than 10 years do you think the speed of innovation is accelerating and do you think it will outpace in the next 10 years as it as it did in the, the previous 10 years uh, absolutely it's uh, it's it's speeding up even faster uh, and and you also have a number of these technologies that are all coming together that are all kind of amplifying each other so you've got You've got 5G, you've got IoT, you've got you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, you know, all these, you know, all autonomy, all these big major trends are all kind of happening, you know, simultaneously. And they're kind of, they're kind of, you know, stoking the fire and fueling, you know, even a faster innovation cycles, you know, across all industries. And, I, and so I, I think that, you know, the speed is, you know, of innovation is only going to continue to increase as as all these things are colliding um but i also am more excited than ever that you know it just means that, you know, that much more potential to to take advantage of these capabilities to then have a meaningful impact on the business but also on the world i you know and, mm-hmm. and that's something i take a lot of pride in you know we we do we have we did stand up something we call iot for good um, you know, several years ago where we were looking at what are all the ways we can use IoT to have a, have a big impact, you know, on society, uh, you know, and, you know, and I think that 5G is, you know, going to just be another major accelerant to that um, where, you know, you're going to be able to do things you were never able to do before. And so things like, you know, the ability to do a remote surgery, you know, are, are types of concepts that are being discussed right now, um, where you can have the best person in the world being able to do that surgery from far away, you know, because the, the networks are, are working, you know, at that type of speed and with that type of reliability. And so, so I do think we're uh, also all the autonomous car, autonomous everything conversations. I think they're, they're, all those things are going to be, you know, enabled with as these new technologies are coming to the marketplace. Uh, and, I, and I think it's exciting that AT&T can uh, help become a big piece of you know making those things a reality for for our customers around the world. We are all going to be living in a virtual reality pretty soon. I have a feeling of all all these things <laughs> that you've mentioned, Chris. You touched on a, a lot of really interesting new innovations and in, in some of the technology that we can look forward to in the future. You know, when you sit back and think about all these things, is there one thing on the consumer side that you're just like, I it's almost there, and I can't wait for this to be part of my everyday life is there something out there that that you're really excited about on the consumer side um i mean if i had to boil it all down i, I think autonomous driving to me you know is probably the one that i'm i'm most excited about i actually uh, have the honor to sit on a on a board of an organization called together for safer roads and it's all around you know the organization's all around how do we bend the curve on road fatalities around the world and and it's a crazy statistic that you know 1.2 million people die you know every year around the world due to auto uh, accidents and and so you know this ability 
to bring autonomy uh, to automotive so that we can create, you know, a safer, you know, commute experience and, and, and get, uh, you know, and get everyone from point A to point B safely is, is just something that is such a big impact on society. Um, not to mention the fact that I, I'd love to be, if I don't have to drive, then I can do other things. I can be, I can be entertained. I could do work. Um, so my car becomes my living room on wheels or my, or my office on wheels. Uh, but I get another hour back uh, every day to do other things. And I, so I think that both from a, from a pure enjoyment perspective, productivity perspective, and the safety perspective, uh, I think that technology just excites me you know, more than anything else. <laughs> For any of the international listeners that don't know where Dallas is, Chris really wants this so he doesn't have to drive across the ginormous, boring, boring flat state of Texas on his long, on his long commutes. But <laughs> I've I've actually heard that they're gonna they're gonna start designing cars uh, like old carriages, like the old carriages of kind of the 17 and 1800s, where the people face each other, and yeah, it's like you said, Chris, it's more like it's kind of like your living room instead of a instead of a car. Yeah, it's uh, been incredible, and a lot of the automakers, obviously, they're all working on it, but they're all showing these concepts for the future, and they and it is very true. Uh, the car the car will not look like you know the car we know today in the next mm-hmm. ten years, and so. Um, so I, I do think it, it, it does become a super exciting you know, future for how we're going to be able to you know, leverage the technologies that are going to be coming you know, over, the next, over the coming years. Mm. Chris, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, we've learned a lot. I know I've learned a lot and taken a lot away from this episode. Just really thinking about how a developed company like AT&T thinks about innovation. And I've certainly hatched some new ideas for investing. Um, looking forward to, to speaking with some of our listeners about it. But is there any way that we can stay updated on AT&T's innovation? Do you guys have a, a Twitter feed about your innovation or any type of any type of web page or material that we can stay posted on everything you guys are working on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're active uh, on on social, and, and we've got our uh, our AT&T dot com. Uh, website, uh, you know, has uh, dedicated pages around uh, IoT as well as 5G. Uh, you know, so you could go to uh, business.att.com uh, and be able to to you know see specifically around uh, what we're doing in IoT and 5G and the capability sets there. And, and then you know, again, uh, we'll continue to make sure that we're pushing out there. As we're creating new capability sets, we'll continue to make sure that we're making those loud and known in the marketplace. Uh, you know, as we're unlocking the new capabilities. Excellent, Chris. I'm excited as a uh, excited and, and inspired on, on many different ways. So thanks for coming on the show and, and sharing part of your day to uh, to help us learn a little bit about what you guys are doing at AT and T. Well, thanks so much. It was a pleasure, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to talking soon. You know what sound that is? Is that an AT&T jingle? That is. And it's so cool that we had Chris Penrose on the show. And this really connects you know, the big businesses that normally... I, I feel like there's a big, big disconnect normally between us as investors as well as just technology users and these big companies. So it's really, really cool to be able to talk to these guys. Yeah, I, I just love, I was really excited talking to Chris, I think, both on the innovation side, but also on the business side and just learning more about how a large company like AT&T that we all grew up watching their commercials and doing the little jingle like you just did, Johnny, <laughs> how they think about business planning, budgeting, uh, and investing in the future, right? I mean, AT&T is a big company to play, pay a dividend uh, and, and how they're thinking about the next 10 years ahead, 20 years ahead. 
how they're thinking about disruption and how they're trying to take part in in innovation, not just in house, but just with with kind of these co creator labs that they're building all around the world, which I think is a really smart idea. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of us make the mistake, including myself, of just thinking of companies like AT and T as you know, like internet providers, you know, or like a cell phone service provider. But we forget that they do so much more, and there's, they're working on things all the time that maybe you know, kind of power the back end of things that that we just don't even see as consumers. It's a, a lot of the stuff that we take for granted, right? I mean, the world is the infrastructure of the world is kind of supported by companies like AT and T. Uh, all the things that we do and the ways we interact on a daily basis. It's pretty cool to see that <laughs> what they're doing while you and I are kind of in the coffee shop or recording podcast, uh, all this, this type of background infrastructure that uh, allows us to lead efficient lives and operate wherever in the world we are. And it's just how quickly that's developing. Um, it's sort of a, a, a security feeling in a sense that knowing that this stuff is all kind of being developed, uh, and innovated while we go about our lives. Of course, you know, we're trying to do our part to, to create content and other things in life, but the stuff that AT&T is working on is some really, really big projects. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, Chris had a really good explanation of what 5G can potentially be used for. Because I, I know we did an episode about 5G a few months ago. And I remember saying on there, like, why do we need it? Because, you know, the most we want to do is stream 1080p. It's plenty fast for that. You know, we can, we can upload and download photos, but really that innovation is you know, the potential of having just like instant communication. Like, like it's like we're there in person. It's like IOT can't really be IOT in the ways that we want it to be without 5g. And I think that's why when you talk to people like Chris and you talk to people that are really at the, at at the nice edge of this stuff is that this is why they're so excited because all these things that they've been dreaming about for the last 20 years and like conceptualizing and putting plans together for it can't really take off without 5g. But then when 5g's, all around and available, all these things I think are going to be come come online really really quick. VR, AR, autonomous driving, smart cities, smart homes, so all these things are like they're kind of working now. They'll really be clicking along uh, in a few years after five G comes on. Yeah, I, I mean, I even knew. I think I even said on, on the last episode that I'm going to listen to this in a few years and just kick myself in the butt, thinking how did I not see that coming or how did I not see use cases, but. I am glad that there are people like Chris, but also companies like AT&T spearheading this because I'm not going to do it. And I know most of the, the listeners, we want to, <laughs> we want to use this technology, maybe even invest in it, but we don't necessarily want to build it ourselves. That's right. Well, you know, this also kind of resonates with the episode with John Thomas and John Thomas was on, a, on, on the podcast maybe a year and a half ago. And he's been a big proponent saying that the 2020s are going to be one of the best decades in history to be an investor. He thinks that the Dow Jones, which at the time of the episode with him was at 25,000. He said that, that the Dow Jones will go to a hundred thousand by 2030, which means four X in 10 years, which would be exceptional growth to say the least. Uh, but look where we're at now. We're basically at 30,000 already. So it only has to go up more or less three times, uh, in the next 10 years to get to where he said. And when you listen to Chris talk, and you think about the speed of innovation and how look at all these technology stocks, technology stocks are leading, you know, leading the charge in, in uh, the stock market indexes. 
VG, uh, VGT, which is the Vanguard Technology Fund, that's been basically my best performing asset over the last five years. I think it's up like almost three times or something, two two point six times since I picked it up. Wow! And h- how could you not? How could you not think that that is not going to continue to grow and outpace all the other indexes when when you hear this episode with Chris? Uh, but also like the S and P 500. I mean, how, how are these companies not going to just accelerate growth if all these things happen that that Chris is talking about? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I mean, tech really is the future. We all know that. We know more money is going to go into it, and we know it's going to produce you know better and and more goods as well. So it does make sense to invest in a tech you know index fund or or even tech companies like AT and T or or others. I haven't personally jumped into that basket, but it does make sense that this is one of your investments that I actually kind of regret not not jumping into. And honestly, I don't think you even really mentioned it. You know, it's it's this is sort of sad, I have to say. But I was thinking about this the other day, and guess which of my Vanguard funds has got is I only have one Vanguard fund over the last five years that has lost money. Guess which sector that is? Oh, I have no idea. What would it be? Healthcare. Oh. And if you go back like five years ago, like, oh, healthcare innovate, oh, healthcare is going to be where it is, you know, all these great innovations in healthcare. But when you think about it, the, the people that create all these incredible cures for cancer and, and other, these profound diseases that wipe out people, you, they're not on Forbes 400 list, you know? Mm-hmm. It's all, it's like the technology entrepreneurs that are moving up the Forbes 400 list quicker than anyone else. But all these medical, innovations don't seem to really capture as much value in 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 capital markets so it's it's odd right because science and medicine is also innovating at such rapid speed but i just don't i don't see the the money being made there like it is in technology i wonder if we went five you know five years back or eight years back if this conversation would have been different if you know people would have been saying well we should definitely invest in healthcare. Uh, funds because that is the future. Capitalism is definitely rewarding technology, people. <laughs> I'll tell you yeah. that. So we'll, we'll see now, what I'm happens in with five v- years. For now, I'm sticking with VGT, the S&P 500. I think, uh, I think without some type of major reset, both of those, those indexes are going to perform very, very well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I don't buy individual stocks, but if I did... I would consider buying AT&T because it sounds like they're, they're they're doing some good things. And I don't think you know this. I'm actually an AT&T user myself for my cell phone plan. And I have been for the last 12 years. I didn't think you had a, a US cell phone plan. Yeah. So I still have the same number as I did when I first came to Thailand in 2007. And thank God AT&T has this prepaid plan that you can switch just by logging into your account online or or calling in. And you can switch to something called a $2 a day plan, which only bills you on the days you use it. So when I, le- when I take out my SIM card and I don't use it for 340 days, it doesn't bill me anything. And mm, what I, I like really, that a lot. Yeah. So but what I really love is as soon as I land back in the US, I pop back in that SIM or now on the new iPhones, I just activate the eSIM and I have my US number. I have, you know... I have data, I have, you know, call credit and I could just switch then cause, cause I'm, I'm normally back for almost a month. I'll switch to a monthly plan for 40 or 60 bucks, have data, have my number. It's easy. 
Oh, I really like that. I'm going to have to look into that. I think this whole switch sims, every country you go to, every time you get off a plane is just insane. So I, I typically don't do that. But uh, but that's great. And hopefully in the future, just one SIM card for the world. Yeah, well, I mean, now everything's switching to, to eSIMs anyways. Because if you think about it, like, why do you actually need a physical SIM card? <laughs> like, it's just right. it's just telling your phone what numbers to put in. It's all going to go digital. Uh, the new iPhones, you know, have an, one eSIM slot and then one physical SIM slot. I'm still switching SIM cards whenever I go to new countries because I tend to stay in countries for, you know, one or two months at a time minimum. So it's actually cheaper and easier just to get a local SIM. Uh, than to use, you know, something from the U.S. Uh, that has like an international roaming. But when I was in Mexico, it was super easy because AT&T allows you to use your your U.S. plan in Mexico and Canada, like w- without any any switching or any other charges. And what do you th- think happens with Wi-Fi, Johnny? Like you go to a cafe. Do you think in two or three years there'll be no no need for Wi-Fi if you have these super powered? 5G signals on your cell phone. Why just why doesn't everyone just turn their cell phone into a hotspot? Why why would you log into Wi-Fi everywhere you go? Yeah, that, that's probably true. Uh, and I think computers are gonna. My prediction is computers are gonna start having 4G or 5G like cards kind of built in, so you don't even need to tether off your phone because that's just one extra step. Yeah, smart stuff. Yeah, well, that was a fun episode. I really enjoyed talking to Chris. I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm energized about the 2020s. Not that I wasn't already, but it's cool. It's cool now. It's officially cool. Yeah, I'm super excited. And we're going to be doing some really, really cool things. Our Patreon, we just launched it. And already we have our first 17 supporters in the first 17 days. So I would love for this to continue. Big, big shout out to Russ Hughes, Jonathan Lien, Stuart Every, Sean, Michael McGuinness, Nana Hortzi Jorgensen, Tucson Talk, Ray, Abby, Theodore Philly, Vikram Chandler, Kurt Miller, Alan Bailey, Ross Paul, Tony T. Space, Slavko, and Stefan. Thank you guys and girls so, so much for supporting us on Patreon because of you. We're going to be able to release more and more episodes and get back on track for 2020 if you guys haven't yet supported the show you want to check out the benefits that you're going to get including a secret podcast episode that really just helps you guys get started investing correctly go to investlikeaboss.com and click on support the show patreon well thanks johnny it's been a great first episode of the new year looking forward to cranking out many many more we have a great lineup coming up for february thanks again to all of our patreon groups out there And if you're just getting started on the podcast, hop over to our Boss Lounge. It's our private forum on Facebook. We have a lot of chat going on there on all types of different investing lifestyle opportunities. So we'll catch you in there. All right. And catch you guys uh, in our Patreon group as well. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.